This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. How many love Jesus tonight? You love him? Let me try that one more time. How many of you love Jesus tonight? There we go. You have to come out on a Wednesday night. And uh, those of you that are joining at home as well, glad that you came. Hey, just a little bit of good news. This past weekend, I really enjoyed Joe Gordon, didn't you? As he shared the stories and the word and the hope. And people are still chewing on that. Uh, even today, I was talking with some friends that are still chewing on that. Well, one of the things we did on Sunday is we said, hey, uh, we're going to believe for a big thing that we can actually plant a coffee shop uh, there. And we were looking for $25,000. Guess what? More than 25000 came in on Sunday. And uh, we're able to do it. It's going to happen in 2021. It's happening because of you, Emmanuel. So you guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. Well, tonight, uh, you know, this is a moment that actually began what was supposed to have been in the fall. Uh, back in November, I think it was. And uh, as we've learned to adjust and pivot quickly in America and around the world, we've learned to do that in the house of God. And each time that we've had to pivot, we were going to have Pastor Banning here with us in November. And then uh, things happened and he wasn't able to be here. And God meant for him to be here tonight. And Pastor Banning has been used in so many different ways around the world. As a former youth pastor, he's still got that youth pastor at heart in him, and, uh, and then planted a church called Jesus Culture Church in Sacramento, and then has done so many conferences. Perhaps you've heard some Jesus Culture worship music, and Pastor Benny's been a part of all of the story of what's happening there, and they've traveled together, and he's preached to crowds of thousands of people, and it's really our honor tonight to welcome Pastor Banning to Emmanuel for Seek First. Why don't you come on up tonight? Would you give it up tonight for our guest speaker? I'm really looking forward to bringing the word, bro. Amen. Amen. First time I'm preaching on turf. This will be the first time ever that I'm preaching on turf. So, well, it's good to see everybody. It's just good to be in the room with people. I, I'm from California, so it's really great to be in the room with people out here in the uh, tropical state of Minnesota. So grateful for uh, coming from, I was in LA yesterday morning where it's sunny and 58 and t-shirt weather and then landed in uh, Minneapolis where it's not t-shirt weather at all. Well, maybe it is, I guess, if you know, if you're wired different. But uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I've got some stuff I wanna do and we're gonna jump in the word tonight. And uh, I just love this. I, I love just these nights we set aside just to go after God and go deeper in the midst of all that has happened over the last 12 months, I really do believe that God is setting us up for something significant. And I believe that the disruption, uh, this isn't even a message I'm going to speak tonight, but I really do believe that disruption leads to revival. And that you can see that throughout scripture, that even in Acts 8, when the disruption happened, it was leading to revival in Samaria. And I believe we're in one of those moments. So it's just good to have all of you out here. Pastor Nate, thanks so much for having me come. Thank you for being gracious. I actually got COVID. That's what happened. I was, I was, on, I was about to come out here and then got hit myself. So it's good to be here. If you have your Bibles, will you get them out? We're, we're going to go land in Jeremiah chapter 17 in just a moment. Jeremiah chapter 17. One of the things um, 
that I think I've seen in the lives of believers that trips them up the most, or one of the things as I've walked now for 25 years as a pastor and walked with people of all ages, one of the things that I think I consistently see that trips them up or even confuses people is when we don't recognize the season that we're in. I think many times we don't recognize the season that we're in or the season that God has us in. And so because of that, we're confused. We're confused to what's happening. We don't have context. There's no context for what's happening. I don't know where to put my energy, my time, my focus. And, and it just seems to trip people up. I think one of the most important things you can do as a believer is understand the season that you're in. When you understand the season you're in, you can give yourself to what you're supposed to give yourself and get what you're supposed to get. It's, it's a little bit like, you know, if there's so many believers that they come to Minnesota in February, you know, wearing the, you know, tank top and shorts and sandals and are confused at why they're freezing. Like, why am I so uncomfortable? Why am I so cold right now? Well, because you don't understand the season and so you chose the wrong clothes. Or you come to California where there's something called a sun and heat and, um, and you come to California in August and you're wearing your big parka and your beanie and your, you know, your snow clothes and your boots and you're wondering why you're sweating so much is because when you don't recognize the season, you don't know how to interact with it. You're interacting with it wrong. And there's a lot of believers, they're confused and they're frustrated and they get tripped up in their Christian life because they just don't understand the season that they're in. And so part of what I want to talk to you about is maybe give some clarity even as we're coming, it, we're still in the midst of a season. Maybe, maybe the Midwest is a little bit further past the season than we are in California. But, but in the midst of 2020, in the midst of the unrest, in the midst of the disruption, in the midst of all that's been going on, I really do believe that there's an opportunity right now in this season, and I'm just going to give you the end of my message, to trust God more. That God's inviting you to a deeper level of trust, but you're going to miss that invitation if you don't recognize the season that you're in. One of the things that I have a passion for, because the Bible has a passion for it, is this, is that you would be somebody that bears fruit. There's a theme throughout Scripture that talks about seasons, but the theme throughout Scripture is this, no matter what season you may be in, you have a mandate on your life to bear fruit. It doesn't matter if you're in winter, you're still called to bear fruit. Doesn't matter if you're in summer, you're called to bear fruit. The Bible actually talks about that as believers, we're supposed to be bearing fruit in every season. The mandate on your life is to bear fruit. Every area of your life should be marked by fruit. You should be able to point at the fruit of what God is doing in your life. This is John 15. John 15 says, listen, the world's going to know we're his disciples by the fruit that we bear. And it says that you're called to bear fruit, a lot of fruit, and fruit that remains. This is just the mandate on your life. I don't know what job you have, but whatever job you have, you're called to bear fruit. I don't know if you're married or single, but you're called to bear fruit. I don't know if you have kids or don't have kids, but you're called to bear fruit. Whatever season you're in, whether it's high, low, hard, easy, you're still called to bear fruit. But here's the key to bearing fruit. I mentioned this, this is, this is the whole sermon, and so you can probably get up and leave after this because this is all you're going to get tonight. The key to bearing fruit is trusting God. I'm going I'm to show you this in Scripture, but the key to bearing fruit is trusting God. 
And the invitation he's given us in this season, unlike any other, is to trust him at a deeper level so that we can bear fruit at a greater level. I really believe that God's going to do something significant in the earth, but it's going to do with his believers, his kids that are bearing fruit. Let me read this to you in John chapter, John, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 17. Did you bring your Bibles tonight? Did you bring your Bibles? All right. If you got your Bibles, open them up. If you don't, sit next to a Christian, read theirs. Um, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking, kind of. Uh, and you can't pull out your phone. Your iPhone Bible does not count, Pastor Nate. I'm telling you right now. That, uh, that iPhone Bible's not going with you to heaven. Your leather bound is going with you. Jeremiah chapter 17. That's horrible. Jeremiah chapter 17. Starting in verse 5, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence, one translation says hope, is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah and gives him the secret to bearing fruit. You know what I love about God and what I love about Scripture? Is God doesn't hide he, he's, he's open. He doesn't hide his secrets. He'll tell you his secret. Have you ever seen those like business seminars that they promote? They've got commercials for it or, or, or advertisements. And it's some guy telling you that he's going to give you the secret to his success. He's going to tell you the secret to his business success, the secret to his life success. And if you want to know the secret, you've got to come to this seminar and you've got to buy this book and you've got to join this program. And, and there's this whole buildup around. He's going to share the secret with you, but you've got to do all these things to get it. Here's the great thing about God. He is so invested in your success. He is so invested in your life bearing fruit. He just flat out tells you what the key is. He doesn't hide it at all. You don't have to join a club. You don't have to become an Emerald member. You don't have to you know, buy the book or you don't have to go to the seminar. You just have to understand what Jeremiah says and it's this, if you want to bear fruit, here's the key. Trust God. Trust God. This is simplicity of what I want to say tonight. Trust God. It's not complicated, but it is hard. So, and we're going to get to this. The key to bearing fruit in every area of your life, it may be hard, but it's not complicated. It's simple. It's trusting God. See, Jeremiah shows us that there's two choices in front of us. There's two choices in front of us. How many of you are old enough to remember the original Let's Make a Deal with Monty Hall? Come on now. Like, it's still going, actually. I don't know if you know this, but Let's Make a Deal is still going with Wayne Brady. 
And so if you know Let's Make a Deal, you know that part of their thing is, you know, near the end of the show, somebody's got something, and then Monty Hall would come in, and he's trying, and, and the whole, like, um, uh, you know, tension around the game was, was he said, do you want to trade what you have for something behind one of these three doors? And you know, everybody's there dressed up in their crazy outfits and their crazy costumes. And the person's wondering, I don't know, should I choose door number one? Should I choose door number two? Should I choose door number three? And then they choose the door and they go through the other doors. Do you remember this game? Can you imagine how boring the game would be if Monty Hall just told them what was behind each door? You would say, you got $100 in your hand or you can choose behind door number one, which is a pile of rocks, or you can choose behind door number two, which is a set of hand towels, or you can choose behind door number three, which is a brand new car and all expenses paid vacation for you and 10 of your friends to the Bahamas. Do you want to choose door number one, door number two, or door number three? Well, it wouldn't be much of a game show, right? There would never be a loser, ever. They'd be like, I'd like door number three, please. I'd like door number three. Listen, God would make a horrible game show host. This is what I'm convinced of. God would make a horrible game show host. He comes and he says, listen, there's two doors in front of you. There's two doors that you get to choose from. Door number one is called trust in man. Door number two is called trust in God. But then he very clearly lays out what's behind door number one. Here's the two choices that you have. God comes and says, listen, there's two doors, but let me, let me just take the mystery out of it. Here's what's behind these two doors. What's behind door number one called trust in man is a cursed life. Now, now the Bible describes a cursed life as a life that doesn't bear fruit. So on the other side of door number one, trusting man is a cursed life, not bearing fruit. On the other side of door number two, trusting God is a blessed life, full of fruit. Which one would you like? See, I, I really believe that, that I'm telling you where God is taking you is going to require deep levels of trust. And what God wants to do in and through you to bear fruit is going to require deep levels of trust. And, and God comes and he lays it out. He, he puts it right there. Here's the two choices. And in times of disruption, I believe there's a gift that's extended to us, both that reveals where we have placed our trust and invites us to a deeper level of trust. This is, this is times of disruption. The times that we're in the times of disruption actually reveal to us what door we've chosen. Is my life trusting man or is my life trusting God? And then God invites us to choose door number two. This is, this is, this is the gift that's in front of us. Life is constantly putting us in situations where we have to choose between door number one and door number two. Listen, forget 2020, before 2020, your life was consistently put in position where when it comes to my health, I have to choose door number one or door number two. 
When it comes to my marriage, I have to choose door number one or door number two. When it comes to my finances, I have to choose door number one or door number two. When it comes to my future and my job and my relationships, I have to choose door number one or door number two. But I, I believe in times of disruption, there is a greater call to put our trust completely in him and therefore be a people that bear fruit that remains. I mean, this is the crazy thing, that even, even, with, even with God showing us what's behind each door, how many of us continue to choose door number one? I mean, this is, this is, right, right, this is the crazy part. God says, hey, here it is. If you trust man, if you trust mere flesh, if you trust your own strength, if you trust your own effort, if you trust the economy, if you trust the president, if you trust, well, like, if you trust... Guess what's on the other side of that? A life that is not, you're gonna be in the desert in the middle of salt lands and you won't bear fruit. And we go, okay, I, can I still choose door number one? This happens, like, like there are moments though where I think God reveals to us what we have put our trust in and it's, an, it's a gift because we're able to say, oh God, I, I've trusted something other than you. We moved to uh, uh, my family, we're, our, our whole family, we're all kind of sports, all our kids are in sports, and my wife and I, we've coached our kids in basketball for a long time. And So when we moved from where I was from in Reading to plant a church in Sacramento, my boy was in second grade, and, uh, and so I had spent my entire life in Reading, uh, where I'm from. I'm born and raised 37 years, so we knew all the coaches, we knew all the program, we knew all the, like, basketball, we knew all of the things that were going on there, and then we moved to a new town, I didn't know anybody. And then we put my son, and my son goes, he really loves basketball, he's a freshman this year, and um, so he tries out in third grade for his AAU team, and there's 30 kids that come out, they're going to keep 20 of them for two teams, and this is not dad goggles, He's easily in the top 10 of these kids. And he gets cut. And, and I, was, I was mad. <laughs> I couldn't believe they cut this kid. Like it's, you know, and, and they didn't know us. We didn't know anybody. And I just remember, I didn't know what to do. Like I'm like calling around. I'm trying to find out if we know coaches and what can I do. And I'm doing all this type of stuff. I'm trying to figure it out. And, and I'm spinning. Like I'm spinning. Three days later, I am not doing well. I'm like kind of mad that they cut my son and then I just feel so powerless and stuck because I'm trying to figure out who to call and I don't know who to call. And, and I'm, I'm doing better than my son. He's in third grade, right? He's like, Dad, I'm good. Well, you shouldn't be good, all right? Like, like I am not good. And I remember, I remember about three days in, like I stopped and said, God, I am like really, really thrown off by this. And I went and I just sat with the Lord and I realized I don't trust God with my son. I don't, I don't like, like, you know, kids are your most valuable, like they're the most tender things in your heart, the things you're most raw about is your kids. And I, and, and I didn't like that somebody could do that with my kid or, or that like this meant something to my son. And, and, and I just remember sitting before the Lord and just realizing I don't trust God with my kids. It wasn't even life or death. It wasn't anything major. It was basketball. I remember just getting before him, I just said, God, I trust you with my kids. God, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I, I chose door number one, but I'm gonna choose door number two. I, I, I trust you with the heart of my kids. 
a couple weeks later, and this is basketball, guys. This isn't even that big of a deal. Well, it is a big deal, but I'm trying to act like it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. But, but a couple weeks later, he went and tried out for another team, made that team, and it's been, I guess, six years, the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Every single coach has been the perfect coach for him. He now is at a high school where the head of that program is the varsity coach. It's, it's been the most beautiful thing to watch, and I just sit, I, we've played the team that he got cut from and beat them, but, um, <laughs> but you know, I, whatever. But, uh, and, and I saw how their coach was interacting with their kids, and I remember just sitting there going, Jesus, thank you for cutting my son. God, I am so grateful. And, and it's so crazy, right? God says, listen, you can trust man. You can trust your own strength. You can trust mere flesh, or you can trust God. And yet we somehow continue to go choose door number one. There's a false sense of safety and security in, what, in our own strength, in the economy, in the decision that some politician makes, in whatever else, there's this false sense. It's almost like, do you remember when you were a kid, you would be scared that there was like monsters in the room or something like that or people, but, but if you got underneath the blankets, you felt safe? That's called a false sense of security. As if a blanket is gonna stop a monster, right, right, or, or anything else. But, but as a kid, you felt a lot better, right? You felt better because you had that blanket over your head, and as long as you had that blanket over your head, you were safe. But you're not really safe. That piece of cloth isn't gonna do anything to protect you. That's what door number one is. We keep going back to door number one and keep going back to door number one because there's this false sense of safety and security in door number one and God's trying to scream and shout at you that door number one is not a door of safety or bearing fruit. Door number two, as scary as it may be sometimes, that he invites us to trust him at a deeper level. I just find myself in 20 and coming into 2021, just saying, God, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to trust you more. I want to trust you with my finances. I want to trust you with this church. I want to trust you with my kids. I, I want to trust you more, God, because I understand that on the other side of door number two is a life full of fruit. This is the choice that we have. This is why I really believe that that. There's a call to intimacy right now that you don't make it through storms apart from intimacy because trust is established in intimacy. Here's the reality. The more you know God, the more you trust God. If, if you're having a hard time trusting God or if you're having a hard time choosing door number two, it's simply because you don't know him enough. Because the more that I know God, the more that I draw close to him in intimacy, that I'm more, the more I know about his nature, the more I know about his character, the more I know about his faithfulness and his goodness and his kindness, the more I know about him as a father, the more I trust him. And so in this season, it's an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation to know him at a deeper level because if I know him, I will trust him. 
And the more I know God, the more I trust him, the deeper. And this is the amazing thing is that God is after your trust. Just understand this. This is the storyline of scripture. He is after your trust. But it's not a blind trust. Listen to this, listen to this verse in Psalm 34.8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Then listen to this. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Okay, listen. There is blessing, which what's blessing? A life of fruit. Blessing is that even when the drought comes, you're bearing fruit. Even when heat comes, your leaves are green. That's what the Bible describes as a blessed life. So he says, blessed is the man who trusts him. But first it's this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, when I, when I experience his goodness, I know him better and I trust him more. It's not a blind trust he calls us to. It's an invitation to encounter him, encounter his goodness, and when I encounter who he is, his nature and his character, my trust is deepened. And when my trust is deepened, my life is blessed. See, this is why when everything is shaking around us, this is why when the world systems have been disrupted and when there is uncertainty about the economy and when all of this stuff is happening around us, believers stand firm in the midst of the storm, anchored in their trust to God because they know him. When you know, I'm praying for a generation that knows God that can stand in the midst of a storm because they trust him. And even in the midst of uncertainty, because that is what's going on right now, it's uncertainty. How long does this last? Last Is the economy about to, you know, is the bottom about to fall out? What's going to happen with this? There's all this uncertainty. And people, the people of God that know him, there's no uncertainty in our life. I know God. We know how he works. We know the storyline. Growing up when I was in middle school, one of the things that my dad and I bonded over was WWE. It was WWF at the time. But WWE went to three of them live, watched every Saturday night. And, uh, it's, you know, it's just a male soap opera. Anybody, everybody, it's just a male soap opera is what it is. So there's storylines, and you got your villains and your heroes. And so, you know, in my era was the Hulk Hogan era and the Ultimate Warrior era and the, you know, all that, that kind of, and the Randy Savage and all that type of stuff. But Ultimate Warrior is my favorite. And, and I remember going, the, the storyline's the same every time. And, and, and imagine if I go, and I know the storyline. I've watched it so many times. I know how this works. But if I took somebody with me who didn't know the storyline, you know the storyline that you're there and it's your guy, he's the hero and he's fighting the villain and, and they, they get into a match and they go back and forth, but pretty soon your guy's getting beat up and it's not looking good. And I mean, it's just not looking good. And finally he gets so, he just gets knocked out on the canvas. And, 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 and the villain is, is celebrating, hasn't pinned him yet, but is starting to gloat and celebrate and taunt the crowd, and people are booing him. And you can imagine the guy next to me who's never been, 
He's worried. He's worried. It looks like our guy's down. And I'm like, oh, no, no, trust me. Just watch what happens. This is the best part. He's like, what do you mean this is the best part? Our guy took a beating and is down. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Just trust me. Watch what happens. And sure enough, it's the same storyline every time, guys. He's gloating, and all of a sudden, you see your guy, and he just starts moving a little bit. Right? He starts stirring. And all of a sudden, there's this whole buildup in the arena, and it's just this kind of, it just this swell starts going. And all of a sudden, he goes, and all of a sudden, you see him get up on a knee. He still looks a little weak, but he's up on a knee. And I'm like, watch this. It's about to be over. This match is about to be over. And all of a sudden, and the guy doesn't even know it yet, right? And the villain's still just, you know, gloating with the crowd. And all of a sudden, our guy gets up. And the place is going crazy. And they're cheering. And the villain turns around and sees this guy. And he's got this look of terror. And our guy goes, knocks him out, pins him, and the match is over every single time. (laughs) It's a male soap opera. We know the storyline. See, this is, this is what I'm looking for in a generation, in the body of Christ, who can stand in the midst of uncertainty, who can stand in the midst of storms, who can stand in the midst of unsettled disruptions, and while everybody else is worried, we say, trust me, I know God, I know how he works, I know what he's like. I know his character, and I know his nature. He, I've never once seen the righteous forsaken. I've never once. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. And I know the storyline. You know what I know about God? Because I see it again and again. Is that when ashes, when the world has been burned down around you, when you are standing in the midst of ashes, and everybody thinks you should have lost hope, Say, I, I know what comes after ashes. Beauty's about to show up. Like beauty comes out of ashes. And when I've been mourning and weeping throughout the night, we trust God and we know his character, we know his nature. We say, although weeping may endure for a night, I know what's coming in the morning because I know how God works. I know his nature and I know his character. I trust him that in the morning, joy is about to come. I know that when I look around and I see sin abounding, I know who God is. I know that when sin abounds, that's when grace is about to be released at another level. There are believers right now that are worried and they're they're stressed because they have chosen door number one. They think that somehow by our own effort, by our own strength, We just say this, God, we choose to trust you with our family and we choose choose to trust you with our life and our health and our finances and this nation. Those who know God, trust God. And so the, the gift in this season has been an invitation to say, one, it reveals what door you chose. And that's not a shame thing. I'm grateful for that. I'm like, oh, God, I'm so grateful (laughs) that you revealed to me that I have chosen door number one with my kids. I'm withdrawing that, (laughs) and I'm going to choose door number two. God, thank you. God, I've been so overwhelmed and stressed about my finances. 
because I've chosen door number one. I've chosen to trust man. I've chosen to trust my own effort. I've chosen to trust some legislation that may or may not pass. I'm not anchored to this kingdom. I'm anchored to the kingdom of God. This is like my life is not anchored to the kingdom of the world. The world all around us may be shaking. Do you know there's a passage, you know, when the, when the Israelites, when the plagues hit Egypt, deep darkness was over Egypt for three days. And yet there's a verse that says this, yet there was light in the dwellings of the Israelites. Uh, deep darkness may be all around, but there's light in my house because I'm not connected to the systems and the economy and the structures around me. They may be shaking, they be, may be uncertain, but I'm part of a kingdom that is unshakable. But you don't get to that place without choosing door number two, and you don't choose door number two without responding to the invitation to know God at a deeper level. Are you with me on this? Here's my heart for you. Now, my heart would be that we would come out of this season trusting God more than ever. I remember when this first hit, we have a school leadership, and we had to go online with it. This would have been at the very beginning, you know, so we're March, a couple weeks in, maybe the beginning of April. And I was with the students online. I said, hey, what's the Lord speaking to you guys? And, you know, there was really good stuff about it. But one of them spoke up and said, oh, you know, the Lord just had me in, in the book of Song of Solomon. And I was like, okay. Seems a little random. There's a global pandemic happening right now. And you're hanging out in Song of Solomon. It's okay. And um, she, said, she said, this is the verse that the Lord highlighted. And it talks about... Who is this coming out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Oh, when she said that, this is the very beginning. It was just like the word of the Lord hit me. I said, that's the word of the Lord. We may be going into a wilderness, but in the wilderness, all the things that we have leaned on that aren't God get revealed and stripped away. We come out of the wilderness, leaning and trusting Jesus like never before. Don't waste this season. And when I told you seasons matter, this is a season to go deeper in your trust with God. And you are going to be frustrated and you are going to be confused if you don't understand that this is a season of invitation to trust Him at a level you may have never trusted Him. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the invitation that God is extending to us to trust. Will you stand up with me? I wanna, I'm gonna pray over a couple people, but first, will you stand up real quick? And Father, we just come so grateful for this church, so grateful for the leadership of this church who's just constantly calling people just to a deeper encounter and experience with you. Guys, listen, tonight, if you're honest, and it's not as simple as saying, in my life, I've chosen door number one or door number two, but it's that thing of like, God, I think I've chosen door number one in my finances. You have to ask yourself sometimes, if my leaf is withering, if I'm not bearing fruit, 
Is it because I've chosen door number one? Is it because I've chosen to, to, to trust my own strength or to trust man in some way rather than fully trusting him? Maybe it's with, ki maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your marriage or relationships. Maybe it's with your job, your future, your health. But just take a moment before the Lord. We want to be a people that, that trust Him. My prayer for you is that if you're struggling in that area, that, that God would reveal Himself to you in a fresh way. That you'd come smack dab, face to face, taste and see the goodness of God. The goodness of God. The faithfulness of God. The mercy of God. Father, I'm asking that you would reveal yourself in a fresh way, that you would open up scripture in a new way to us so that we can see you, know you, and trust you at a deeper level. Just take a moment and, and maybe even just practically right now say, God, I think I've chosen to trust man in this area. Tonight, we just say, God, I trust you. I choose to trust you, and maybe I'm going to have to wake up tomorrow and say that again. Maybe I'll have to wake up the next day, and I'm going to have to say it again. But we choose to trust you. We want to be a people that bear fruit. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.